When God speaks, it changes our lives. It changes the path that we were previously walking in. It changes our outcomes. It makes the impossible come to pass. That's when God speaks. Through his spoken word, doubt flees. Truth is declared. Fear has to go. It has no place. Faith is built up in a person's life. Healing is received. Dead things are raised. Life is formed when God speaks. God is the very author of speech. It was through his spoken word that the earth was formed, that ecosystems, waters, lands, hills, lakes, seas, oceans, mountains, all kinds of animals were created. Through God's spoken word, life was formed. It only took the word of God to create something out of nothing. It was through God's spoken word that he gave the command to mankind in verse 28 of the first chapter of Genesis to be fruitful and multiply and replenish the earth and subdue it and have dominion over the fish of the sea and over the fowl of the air and over every living thing that moveth upon the earth. There is such power in the spoken word of God. When God speaks, something happens. When God speaks, something is birthed. When God speaks, life is changed and hope is renewed. In order to understand when God speaks, that phrase, I think we need to address some of the other adverbs of the how God speaks and the why God is speaking to his people. So how, you may ask, does God speak to his people? There are several ways that shows how God speaks to us, his people. He speaks to us first and foremost through his word. John 1, 1, in the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. 2 Timothy 3, 16, all Scripture is given by inspiration of God and is profitable for doctrine, for reproof, for correction, for instruction in righteousness. Hebrews 4 and 12, for the Word of God is quick and powerful and sharper than any two-edged sword, piercing even to the dividing asunder of soul and spirit and of the joints and marrow and is a discerner of the thoughts and the intents of our heart. The word of God is powerful and we need to tap into it and activate it in our lives because when God speaks through his word, anything can happen. Changes will happen. So when God speaks into our lives, this is found in his word. And it's, and it's inspired through and by his spirit. So both his word and his spirit are working in perfect harmony in order to minister to his people. God's voice will always conform to scripture, never contradict it. God's voice will always be confirmed. It's like you will get a word from the word. Okay, you want a word from the Lord, you'll get a word from the word of God. People, and I've seen it before, can so easily throw that God card when they're not really basing the voice of God in their lives through he, the foundation of his word. And they'll just say, I felt this, so I felt that. It's got to be God. So I'm going to tell my pastor, I'm going to go, or I've got to do this, and I've been led elsewhere. But you see, the fruit of that is in vain, because if it contradicts the word of God, it is not from God. That is the easiest way to find out if you're hearing the voice of God, or if he's speaking into your life. You need to look into his word. And if his word declares it, we may be walking in his will, but if he doesn't declare it, it is not the voice of God. 
the voice of God and God speaking into our lives is not an airy, fairy, fluffy, or superficial experience. It is an encounter that is not random, but it's intentional. We serve an intentional God that has reasons for why he does things and for what he does. We may not know the reasons why God does certain things, but he's an intentional God and he knows the end from the beginning. He knows the reason why he chooses to do things a certain way. So we need to remember that God will never contradict his word. The Bible is God's own inspired, infallible word. God's word alone becomes our final authority in everything. We align it to everything. It is our GPS. It is our blueprint to every situation in our lives. We need to align it to God's word in order to know whether we're walking the path that God wants for us or not. Psalms 119.105, it says, Your word is a lamp unto my feet and a light unto my path. You want to walk the path that God has set before you? We need to be immersed in his word. We need to use his word as our GPS, as our light, as our torch for the very path that God wants to to go on. Whenever we wonder, is this God speaking? And sometimes even in Christendom, when, when we're serving the Lord, sometimes we may think, God, was that you, that thought that came into my head? We need to um, realize a measure that, that impulse, that thought or that impression against God's word. Now I'll tell you, that really takes away that confusion. His word says he's not the author of confusion. He doesn't want it to be a trick or a maze for us. He wants us to know him. And to know him, we have to know his word. God's word, like I said, will never, ever contradict scripture. And that's why it's so important for us to stay in his word to study his word, to absorb his word, to live in the word of God. So another way that we uh, can hear his voice is that it's uh, confirmed by corresponding circumstances. When God is speaking inwardly to us, he will begin to line up situations and circumstances that confirm his plan and will for our lives. Things will begin to happen sometimes in very obvious or um, unexplainable ways that convince us this can only be God and moving, speaking in my life. But remember, it's always got to align to his word. God will always confirm his will through outward circumstances if we ask him and we are watching, we are attuned to it, attuned to God's voice in our lives. Let's not look for hidden messages in everything that happens or be superstitious. That's not what God wants for us, but he wants us to be alert. When we are studying his word and we are praying about something, let's say, God, let, let this be an alert to me. Let, me. let me see it through your word, but let me see it through the circumstances. Bring that opportunity to me. If this is really you, Lord God, and I've aligned it to your word, open up the right doors, close the wrong doors. Let me see through the circumstances in my life. Let me see the path and the will that you want for my life. I had a conversation with someone and and they had a pretty similar experience to myself and they said when God was moving them to another chapter of their lives, they felt a real restlessness that, oh, God was going to uproot them and to move them and and I knew exactly what they were talking about because I've been there before and and it was good to hear that. But um, they knew that God's timing and, and season was changing uh, to something new. And you know what? They felt so beautiful and so rested in God's uh, current chapter of their lives. But that's what God sometimes does. As we're actively praying, 
saying, Lord, you know, when you speak, Lord, you're speaking. Are you speaking to me? Are you telling me that to do this? Well, I'm going to align whatever I'm feeling through your word. If it aligns to your word, I want you to open up those right doors, Lord Jesus, and close those doors. If we continually have that lifestyle of actively praying and seeking his word, God is going to speak. God is going to make it so clear there'll be no confusion to his path and will for our lives. God's voice is confirmed by constant conviction. Another way that he shows how he speaks to us is he's relentless. He doesn't just say it once, I want you to do this. He says it and he says it and we ask for confirmation, confirm it through your word, confirm it through the circumstances, confirm it through the man of God and he will not let up. And if I think about Samuel, how God spoke to him until he got the message and knew who was talking to him. So he got to the point in verse 10 when the Lord said it, and the Lord came and stood and called as, as other times because he had called him before. But Samuel didn't know who was calling. Samuel didn't know who spoke. But this very time he said, Samuel, Samuel, and Samuel answered, speak for your servant hears. God, ask God to confirm his word in your life. When God speaks once, say, Lord, continue to speak to me. I want to be going down that right path. I don't want to err, Lord Jesus. I want you to lead and guide and direct me. Whenever you have a thought, an impression, or or, or, or a sense of calling that continually comes to your mind as you pray about it, and really that is the key, as you pray and read his word, as you seek godly counsel, it grows stronger, not weaker. I remember, and I don't want to embarrass my husband, he said it before, but when he knew that he had fallen in love with me, this is like some 26 years ago, (laughs) and he was praying, and he wasn't sure if it was the will of God, he was just coming back from being vaccinated, and he prayed the very prayers, Lord, if this is not of you, take my feelings away for Annette. I don't want to feel like this. I don't want to feel these feelings because I don't want to feel these feelings if it's not your will, and he kept praying it. And he read God's word and he fasted. And guess what? Those feelings just grew stronger and stronger. And then God had his way. (laughs) Sometimes we have to be strategic in how we pray and what we say. Lord, if it's not your will, take that away from me. Take those feelings. God's word, when he speaks, does not incite fear. I don't know about you, but that is probably the biggest thing that I've ever struggled with in my Christian walk. And I've been living for the Lord pretty much most of my life, since I was eight. Fear. So when God speaks to you, it is not to incite fear. You will not feel fear. You will feel his peace and his comfort and strength. And I say that because, you know what? I've been in ministry for many years now. And at conference in 2019, I had my own little dose of fear that I never thought I'd go through again. I thought I had dealt with fear. And I I remember going to general conference and my kids were praying at the altar and I was praying behind them. You know, didn't want to lay hands on them, didn't want them to know. You know, I was praying with them. They like to be on their own when they're praying. And I had this thought, I'm at the altar and I am praying. And this thought came to me. You thought 2019 was bad. And the reason why that thought was mentioned was because in 2019, my mother passed away. And in 2019, at the end of it, my son moved interstate. And they were the two biggest things. The wor- it was the worst year of my life. I had never been through what I'd gone through in 2019. And there I am, sitting on the back end, actually the beginning of 2020. And I'm at an altar just 
praying for my sons quietly and just speaking in tongues. And this thought comes to my mind. You thought 2019 was bad. 2020 is going to be so much worse for you. And this fear gripped my soul. It absolutely gripped me. And I just, I burst into tears and I just started praying, trying to pray through it. And I I must have still let that seed resonate because throughout 2020, throughout a bit of 2020, I would have that fear. And then I'd say to myself, no, just as David encourages himself in the Lord, I said, Lord, you don't incite fear. You don't speak fear into our life. You speak peace. You speak healing. You speak strength. I rebuke those thoughts in Jesus' name. I rebuke that fear over my life in Jesus' name. I wish I could tell you that doing that once helped me, but I had to do that many times. I had to make that a lifestyle. You see, I had dealt with fear when I was younger, and I had to pray through and be delivered from fear. But once that happens, it doesn't mean that's it. You never go through fear again. Dealing with fear, dealing with those insecurities is a lifestyle. We have to constantly take them before the Lord and say, Lord, deal with this in Jesus' name. We have to constantly be in, in prayer and, and uh, reading his word and encouraging ourselves in the Lord. So throughout 2020, I had my ups and downs. I believed that it wasn't from the Lord. I knew, you know, after that, I, 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 when I looked at it, when I rightly divided what really happened, I thought, Lord, I know what your word says. I know who you are in my life. Yes, I've dealt with a bit of tragedy lately, but I know who you are. You do not speak to your children like that. You love your children. So I felt like pretty much most of 2020, the second half, that I was, it was fine. I felt like I really I had a breakthrough. But December 2020 came along and I'm at a wedding. And I haven't even shared this to people actually, but I was at a wedding where I was a bridesmaid. My two sons were stand-in groomsmen. My husband's officiating the ceremony. And... You know, that little niggle of fear, I don't know. Maybe I was tired and and wasn't as spiritual as I should have been. And sometimes those old little sores get broken. And as I'm walking down the aisle, I see my son go green and stiff, like almost like an epileptic fit and collapse. And I'm walking down this aisle and I thought, 2020, November 28, actually, 2020. And the fear just filled me again. And I thought, Lord, enough is enough. Enough is enough. The enemy knows our weakness. He knows what we struggle with. And if we do not, in Jesus' name, take authority over those fears, if we do not, in Jesus' name, declare that we have the victory, those things are going to uh, overwhelm us. They're going to have us bound. You know, even Christians can be bound. Even Christians can believe those lies of the enemy. But we've got to say enough is enough, Lord. I'm going to move according to your word. And your word tells me that you are a loving God, a God that loves me unconditionally. Your word says perfect love casts out all fear. Your word says that fear has torment and it has no place in my life. So I'm going to take authority over every lie from the enemy in Jesus' name. And that's what we need to start doing. We shouldn't be sitting there taking it. It's just just sitting there like slaves to, to, to the enemy's devices and just taking all those fiery darts of the enemy. We have to protect ourselves with the armor of God. That is our responsibility for our lives. And you know what? If we don't do it for ourselves, 
Who's going to do it for our children? How well enough are we going to be for our children? Just like in the airplane where they say, the hostess tells you, you've got to look after yourself, put the oxygen on yourself before you can tend to anyone else. How can we minister and tend to other people if we are crippled by fear? If we do not know when God is speaking and when God is not speaking to us. When God speaks, his word is also confirmed by spiritual counselors. So another way that he speaks is through the counsel of godly, spirit-filled people, like our pastor, pastor's wife, the leadership, the elders. Proverbs 11 and 14, it says, In the multitude of counselors, there is safety, because these elders know the word of God too. These elders know God and he... And and are able to direct us and guide us. Proverbs 15 and 22, it says, Plans fail for lack of counsel, but with many advisors they succeed. So often God will use that spiritual counselor to either confirm or cancel what you are feeling and thinking. And that's why when we are in prayer, and we are reading his word and rightly dividing his word in our lives, and we seek godly counsel, we know then that we're doing our part, that God is going to direct us. If you sense that God is leading you a certain direction and telling you what he will do, just believe that he will do it. Okay? If God tells you that something's going to happen, if you read it in his word, if you read a promise in his word, God is going to do it. If he has spoken to you and it's been confirmed through your elders that this is going to happen, believe it because God is going to do it. If it doesn't happen, if something totally different happens and it doesn't happen, you need to ask yourself, have I really aligned myself with the word of God? Have I been praying for confirmations? Have I run it through my pastor and pastor's wife? So we need to ask ourselves those questions because God is a God of order. And when he speaks, it's through an order. I'm sure I've told you guys this testimony about when we were dating and how God had confirmed and told us very clearly, even through our elders, that yes, this is God's will. I was always such a goody two-shoes. I never wanted to do anything wrong. Actually, someone asked me this morning, did you ever get in trouble at school? I actually never did. I was never told off at school. I was such a goody two-shoes. So for me, it was really important that I followed God's will. And so I prayed. I prayed because I, I loved my, my, the guy that I was courting, my, and I really, but I wanted God's will. And it was confirmed to us. And it was funny because I'm pretty sure I told you guys, but just in case for some of those new people, um, we, were, we went to like a leadership seminar at our church and we were upstairs and there was a, a, a mighty man of God from the States that came and was ministering to the leadership team only and we were quite new to the leadership team and we were standing together and God spoke, he actually prophesied. The man of God came up to us and said, God has a mighty anointing over your lives. He wants to use you guys together and all of that. Have you heard this story before? No? Well, guess what happened the next day? Because we had this amazing prophecy. God was going to use us together. Well, the next day we broke up. Uh, I can't even remember how it happened or what happened or why. And I was like, whoa, whoa, God, what happened there? You just prophesied the night before. And deep down, I knew it was just weird. I don't know what happened. But deep down, I knew, I'm like, if God spoke it, and I, and I believe it, and, and my leaders have, have condoned it. Well, I know, God, that you've got a plan that's above, that's above all. 
And uh, lo and behold, obviously it only lasted a couple of weeks or months, but then the Lord had his way. So sometimes you may think that you're going in one direction and this is the, the, the direction for God's will for your life. And then something totally blindsides you. But if you stand on his word and the promises in his word and the promises he's given to you, God's not a man that he should lie. His word says, stand on his word and believe and have the faith. We don't know the reason why things happen. But if we can choose to learn from every situation that that we go through and trust in the hand of God and trust in his word, he's going to see us through. I think about um, Brother Simon, Sister Katerina, you said you went to Botswana. Is that right? We had a conversation the other day. And I thought it was so interesting because you're going to Botswana and that's like, North east, northwest, is it? Northwest, northeast. Well, anyway, it's north of where we are, right? Because we're down under. Northwest. <laughs> oh, west. Okay. But, you know, what was, sorry, it's, what was interesting that I found out was that they had to go down into, Antar- like, past Antarctica to get to Botswana. And I thought, wow, sometimes we take a detour, God sends us a detour. We don't understand why. But if we uh, enjoy the journey and trust the journey and trust the process that God has for us, if we don't give up, then we're not going to miss out on the promises that God has for us. Imagine if the pilot said, oh my goodness, wrong way, let's just park in in Antarctica. Everyone would die because it'd be too cold, you're not prepared for it. You don't give up halfway because there's a detour that's out of your control. I'm not talking about if you put yourself in a rut and do things that you shouldn't have and you end up somewhere else. I'm talking about when there's a detour in your life that you haven't expected and you were praying for something and you thought it was going to be this way and it does not end up being that way. Do not give up because when God speaks, he will fulfill his every word. I think of another city. We had a family that went on a holiday and I was quite baffled because they said they were going to Mildura, which is south somewhere from the GC. But they went to Toowoomba, which is northwest, in order to go to Mildura. Am I right, hun, about that? Yes. And I was so baffled. I still don't understand why, but that is the the quickest route for them to go on the GPS. And I thought, wow, imagine if they gave up and said, we got lost. We're going to stay in Toowoomba. They would have missed seeing family because that was the route that you take to go to Mildura. It does not compute sometimes. It doesn't make sense. But when God speaks... We need to listen out for his voice and obey his word. The thing is, God is not trying to hide his will from your eye. He speaks to us and he has a plan. We may not know the actual process or plan, but he's not trying to make it a difficult experience. He just wants to increase our faith and increase our trust in him. He wants us to know him more. Because if it was easy, if if every direction, everything was easy, then we wouldn't seek his word so much. We wouldn't be praying so earnestly because he wants us to know him, to know his character, to know his nature, his ways, his heart, his mind, his word. And in order to do that, there has to be a sense of desperation, a sense of urgency. God, I need to know more of you. God, I don't understand all this, but I choose to trust you. I choose to believe in you because I believe you for your word. I believe you are the King of kings and the Lord of lords in my life. Paul prayed in Philippians that I might know him and the power of his resurrection and the fellowship of his sufferings being made conformable to his death. We need to know him in every uh, season of our lives. 
So in order to know him, we need to be able to discern that it is indeed God who is speaking to us. So why does God speak to you and I? He speaks to us to encourage us, to edify us, to uplift us, to correct us, to reprove us, to change us, to mold us, to work on us, to increase our faith. Because he knows us and he knows our hearts. He knows our weaknesses. So when God speaks, he does not waste words. He's intentional. He has a plan. Like in his word, and I've mentioned it, his ways are above our ways. He knows the end from the beginning. So when God speaks, we need to pay attention. We cannot afford to ignore his voice in our lives. I think of Jonah in the Bible. He had a calling upon his life, really. He had a calling. He had something that God, he had a ministry that God wanted to use him so he could turn the hearts and and the direction and the lives of the people of Nineveh. And I think of that city. There were 120,000 people in that city. What a ministry. I just think of some of the young men that are so zealous for the Lord. And if the Lord told them, go to this city and and minister because their wicked ways, we want to turn their wicked ways. And and you know what? I want to uh, save them. I want to save them from what they've been doing. I think some of the young men would jump at the chance. 120,000 people. Imagine ministering like that. But the word of the Lord says, when God spoke to Jonah, he arose straight away and he fled to Tarshish, ran away. And in doing so, it says in his word, he fled from the presence of the Lord. Because when we choose to walk a different way, we are choosing to be away from the presence of the Lord. And you know what? That's such a scary thing. I always want to be in the presence of God because there's protection, there's safety, there's power, there's peace in his presence. But Jonah chose deliberately to walk or to run away from the presence of the Lord. He totally went against the will and word of the Lord. Why, you may ask. I don't understand why he did it. Maybe I feel that he didn't want the people of Nineveh. He didn't think they deserved the mercy and grace of God. I'm thinking, who is he to judge? Who is he to judge if people deserve it or don't deserve the grace and mercy of God? Obviously, that wasn't his call to make. It was quite self-serving if that was really, and that's what I believe that he really was doing. It was self-serving and his actions led to a spiral of negative events that happened. In verses 1 to 3 of chapter 1 of Jonah, it says, it actually talks that Jonah paid a fare to leave God's presence. He paid a fare to get away to go to Tarshish. He paid for it. And you know what? Then there was a price for that sin. There were casualties to that sin. So sometimes when we choose to to go another path, we're paying a price. But it's not just us who suffer from that. It's people around us, casualties. Those other men on the ship think that, that they were going to die, worried for their lives and their safety because of the judgment of God, because someone disobeyed and chose deliberately to pay a price to disobey the Lord. So his judgment due to his disobedience affected others. It's interesting because in that first portion of scripture, in that first chapter, Jonah was fast asleep during the storm. It's like he didn't have a care. He's like, I've run away, out of this. They don't deserve it. I'm getting right out of here. I'm going to fall asleep because I ran away from God. I'm thinking, how ignorant. 
that he thought his path and what he was doing, he was, he was going to get away from God. We can't do that. And, it, you know, it makes me think, sometimes are we asleep sometimes to the fact that God is chastising us or correcting us and saying, oh, no, let's get back on. You've neglected your Bible reading. You've neglected your prayer. You haven't been going to church so much. You need to be seeking counsel from your pastor. And sometimes we choose to ignore it. And it's like we spiritually fall asleep thinking, Whew, we've, we've missed that. That's fine. Oh, the pastor hasn't called me this week. It's probably forgotten that I haven't been going to church. No one's going to ask me if I've been praying and reading the word. Sometimes, do, think about it. Do we, are, are we missing the fact that God is chastising us and saying, come on, child, my love for you is unconditional. It has no bounds, boundaries or limits. But you need to be listening to me. Immerse yourself in my word. Make yourself go to church. You may not feel like it, but this is my plan for your life to strengthen your spiritual walk with me. And sometimes we may be asleep thinking that we've just, we've run away and we've escaped and we've succeeded in our little plan to, to um, ignore the voice of God. And we've stepped out of his will. Are we oblivious to the cost of our disobedience? Because let me tell you, that there is a cost to our disobedience. The book of Jonah only has four chapters. And it's interesting, you know, with your Bible, there are subtitles. I'm not sure about yours, but mine has subtitles just to show every different uh, event that happened. And I'm going to read the subtitles to uh, the book of Jonah. So the first one is Jonah's disobedience. The second one is the storm at sea. Well, that was a byproduct of Jonah's disobedience. The next subheading, Jonah thrown into the sea. Again, due to his disobedience, a cost for his disobedience, right? The next one, Jonah's prayer and deliverance. We serve such a graceful and merciful God that all it takes is for us to repent and say, God, forgive me. Forgive me for what I've done, Lord. I want to turn. And we know that repentance means turning away from those old ways of living and, and starting to follow the Lord's ways. That's all it takes, prayer, for the Lord to deliver us. The next subtitle, Jonah preaches at Nineveh. And you think, wow, yes, he's finally done it. And by the way, what happens there is God does spare the people of Nineveh which is an awesome story of God's redemptive power, grace, and mercy. And that last subtitle in that last chapter, I thought, wow, Jonah's anger and God's kindness. And to be honest with you, reading that last chapter, especially the last couple of verses, it's pretty much like an anticlimax. It's so like, man, it was such a great story of God's redemption and power. And Jonah had to be angry and sulk. Because even though he ministered and God got his way, God got his will, he ministered, he was not happy with the positive outcome. But how selfish is that? He was so angry that his ministry, which God purposed for him, caused a positive outcome in his life. 120,000 people were repentant. They turned their lives around. They were spared. They were saved. And Jonah was having a dummy spit. And that's how the chapter ended. Wow. You're not going to see Jonah in the Hall of Fame? Sometimes when we do God's will, it's not going to be to get your way. We can't, we've got to see the bigger picture. 
Like I said, God is intentional. He has a, a, he, he has a will and a way, and we don't always understand it. And thinking about the story of Jonah, I think of the lost son, the prodigal son, and how his brother responded with the, the positive treatment of the prodigal son in that he was restored back into his father's house. And the brother was envious and also having a dummy spit. And I thought, you know what? Sometimes that is human nature, that God chooses to give his grace and mercy. And you know what? God has done it with us. His word says that his mercies are new every morning. He's been merciful to us. I don't deserve it. I don't deserve what God has done for my life. I don't deserve the forgiveness that he constantly gives to you and I. But he does it anyway. And sometimes people get a little bit annoyed or disillusioned because God has chosen to do things one way and not the other way. And we choose not to look at the bigger picture. I'm so glad that God is God in our lives. We have to be careful that we are not acting like a Jonah or like the prodigal son's brother, older brother. Because something good is happening in somebody else's life and God has redeemed people and drawn people to himself. I think about Joseph in prison and he was waiting longer in prison for his dream to be fulfilled. I think about Queen Esther. And you know what? She wasn't the first choice for queen. She was second choice. Because, you know, Queen Vashti was acting up. Sometimes it's, it's, it's not about who's first in. You know, the, the, what is that saying about first in the, in the race? Um, I can't even remember. <laughs> but it's not about that because God's ways are above our ways. Joseph and Queen Esther did not let their circumstances deter them from the promise, the will, and the direction of God. And because they stayed steadfast, because they stayed strong, God saw through, saw them through every situation in their lives, and they prospered in Him. So sometimes when God speaks, it may benefit somebody else, someone who we may deem undeserved of it. Sometimes it doesn't compute. It's not meant to make sense. When God speaks, it's to make us better. It's not for us to feel better. It's to make us better Christians, better people, Christ-like. It's to get rid of our insecurities. Sometimes when we get our way, it's almost like we're wanting to get away to feed our insecurities. But God wants to get rid of them. So sometimes the outcome is not what we think. Sometimes the process is not what we think. Because not, God's not really caring about making us feel good and feeling better. That's what the world wants. Feel good, do what you want, you do you, I do me. All these sayings. That's not what it's about. God wants to make us Christ-like, to be like Him. So it's not worth fighting when God speaks. If we can be upstanding. I want to encourage you guys. Let's not run away from God's will and plan in our lives. When God speaks, there is power in that. There is peace in that. If we choose to walk away or continually ignore when God speaks, that leads to unrest. No peace. It leads to torment, to distress. It leads to casualties, people around us that suffer because of our choices. Because we choose to disobey him. 
Nothing is worth getting out of the presence of God. There is no satisfaction, no protection, no peace outside of his will. But let me tell you what there is when God speaks and we choose to move in his will. There is a peace that surpasses all understanding. We can bask in his unconditional love like we heard this morning. We have a God that loves us unconditionally. And when we choose to surrender our will and say, God, you have spoken. I don't understand the process. I don't understand why, but I am going to choose to walk in this direction because I trust you, God. I know you love me with no limits and no boundaries. I know you want the best for me, Jesus. So I'm going to move when you speak. I'm not going to just sing, this is a move, but I'm going to move with your spirit. I'm going to be led by your spirit. Because when I'm in your spirit, there's no better place to be. There's no more secure place to be but in the presence of the Lord. And that's where he speaks. It may be in a still small voice. It may be quite loud and resonate within us. He speaks in all different ways. But if we choose to trust him, he will see us through. I want to invite you tonight, church. No matter what uh, season that you may find yourself in, God is speaking right now. He's saying to his church, to his children, trust in me. Trust in me. Trust the process. Trust the journey. I'm going to see you through. You are going to grow for it. You're going to be better for it. So I just want to invite you, if you want to come and make a declaration, Lord, Lord, speak because your servant hears. Speak, Jesus. I'm listening. I obey. I trust you. I have the faith, Lord, that you'll see me through. If you want to come forward to the altar and make your declaration.